0: Turn in your Bible with me to Isaiah chapter 9, if you will, and then another passage, Psalm 68. And as you're turning there, let me just kind of tell you where we've been and where we're going. Uh, we've been talking about, uh, from this Isaiah 9 passage, uh, a Christmas uh, series called For Unto Us. Everyone say, For Unto Us. Unto us. Uh, and then we're talking about really embracing the Christ of Christmas and and not just embracing the commercialism of Christmas, but embracing the true Christ of Christmas. And if you've uh, been a Facebook follower of mine or have been getting our emails, you know that I'm, I've been doing a, a, a daily devotional, a countdown to Christmas daily devotional. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, and tomorrow morning, uh, let's see, tomorrow morning, Beverly, you and I, or even today, we're going to video the last one together. Uh, we ought to do it while we're all dressed up pretty. Uh, and so I've done all the, down to the Christmas Eve, and so I've got one more. Uh, I'm endeavoring to help you as well as as people really all over the world have been watching our, our countdown to Christmas daily devotionals and connecting with the Christ of Christmas. And in fact, uh, my dear friend uh, uh, Nola Warren, who has been a longtime missionary in Mexico, uh, she got excited about it and she jumped on board and she's doing it in Spanish. In fact, I just saw the, the Spanish uh, TV station there in Durango, Mexico. Uh, got wind of that. And so she's doing them now on TV in Durango, Mexico, because of little old Sam uh, sparking an idea about daily devotionals. So, hey, it's just sparking and spawning all over the place. And I had one guy tell me this morning, he said, could you just keep doing devotionals every day? I said, uh, no, that's your job. I'm just helping you through Christmas. Amen. But we want you to connect to the Christ of Christmas. In Isaiah chapter 9 is the prophetic insight, and I love what it says. It says, For unto us a child is born. Everyone say, Unto us. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Everyone say, There will be no end. I love that. Uh, And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord will perform this. I love the thought that it says unto us. In fact, remember what the angels uh, said to the shepherds there in Luke chapter two, verse 12. They said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. You see that first Christmas gift of Christ to the world, was for us. In fact, if you look back in Luke chapter two, you'll discover that that first Christmas gift of Christ uh, to the world was in fact for the whole world. Uh, the, the scripture says in Luke 2.10, sa- the angel said, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all the people. I'm telling you, this is global good news today, amen? That Jesus Christ came for the whole world, And as we look at the other passages, you know, of of where the angel's talking to Mary and talking to Joseph, we understand that he came to be the Savior. You'll call his name Jesus, for he will save the world from their sins. Somebody say amen. You see, there's a sin problem in the world, and that's why Jesus came. So we've been looking at this passage and really identifying the four names that are defined here. And I think it's pretty interesting uh, that, you know, if we were picking out names that he would be called from a prophetic uh, de- declaration, I you know, I don't know how many of these I would have picked. Uh, but the first one was his name shall be called what? Wonderful, Wonderful Counselor. How many of you know, uh, and that speaks to the inherent need of humanity for wisdom and revelation and knowledge that we, we do not have. We need supernatural wisdom because humanity is by nature inherently what? Stupid. <laughs> the biblical term would be foolish, but you can interpret it stupid and we'll move on from there. Uh, but that's the reality. Sin makes you what? That's why we need a savior, Amen. And then his name shall be called what? Mighty God. Somebody say Mighty God. It speaks to the inherent need of humanity to have supernatural power and authority in our life. To be victorious over the devil and sin in our life. And that's why Jesus came, amen. He's wonderful counselor and he's Mighty God. And then today we're going to talk about the third name. He's Everlasting Father. Now, let me, just, let me just deal with a little theological issue t- today. You know, we're talking about Jesus being the everlasting Father. And how many of you know we have a heavenly Father? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus came and He manifests the nature of the Father to us. And so, don't let that throw you for a loop there. Uh, you know, some, some people want me to explain the Trinity uh, maybe we need to have a class on that. I need to go to a class on that. Uh, But on planet earth, he came as the Christ child, a son is born, but his manifestation, in fact, he said this at one place, I and the father are one. So he came as the son of God, but he also had the characteristic and the manifestation of the father within him. So everyone say everlasting father. And then Tuesday night, for just a moment, I'm going to talk about Prince of Peace. And so, uh, and it says he, he will be, his name will be called the Prince of Peace. So, uh, we have been embracing those four names or those three names and, and all four we will, uh, embrace. Today, hey, the, the everlasting father really intrigues me. And this past year, God has been speaking to me about fatherhood. And you know, I'm a father and I'm now a grandfather, but I've been embracing some new attributes of the fatherhood of God in my life and I wanna help you do that as well. And the fact that his name is called Everlasting Father speaks to the inherent need of all of humanity for some continued wisdom and revelation of the Father in their life. Everlasting Father, it means unending and eternal how many of you appreciate the fact that the fatherhood of God in our life is unending and perpetual and it goes on into eternity, amen? And this speaks to our need and humanity's need for continued fatherly influence in our lives. And the power and the, and the, and the need of all of us to embrace the fatherhood of God in our life. Now, what I want you to know today, which is probably no, no secret, is this is a missing link in many people's lives, especially in the culture we live in. Understand something, there's an there's a epidemic going on in America today, and it's the epidemic of absentee and disengaged fathers. We live in a culture where a majority of Americans are in some way negatively affected by absentee or disengaged fathers. Now, I'm just scratching the tip of the iceberg here a little bit, but I'm telling you, this is an epidemic. Now, I'm not here to bash fathers, I'm here to expose a real need in all of our lives. In fact, at the close of this service today, I'm going to share with you a story how God touched my life in reference to his fatherhood in my life and, all, and and really brought some healing in my heart and began to turn my life in a, in a better direction. How many of you appreciate when God helps the pastor get, get a little better in his life? I'm gonna share that with you. But we live in a culture that is that is that is tragically suffering from negative effects of absentee fathers and disengaged fathers. In fact, did you know there's a lot of biological fathers who come home every day and, and, and eat with their family or, and, 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 and sleep in the same house with their family, but they are absentee. They're emotionally, relationally disconnected from their kids, and their kids are suffering from it. Let me give you some statistics today. And this is, hey, but at, after I get done with this, take heart, I've got good news, amen? Everyone smile and say, hey, there's good news. In, in fact, What is the good news? Uh, Hey, Everlasting Father came to bring great joy to all the people, amen? So, but these statistics of our culture today in America, 24 million children live in a home without their biological father. That's one out of three. Children with absentee fathers are four times more likely to be poor. Children with absentee fathers show more signs of aggression aggressive behavior than children with active father figures in their lives. Now this one blew me away. Infant mortality rates are infant mortality rates, catch that, are 1.8 times higher among children where there's no active father in their life. Children with absentee fathers are much more likely to be incarcerated. In fact, I connected in and uh um, where was I, Wisconsin with an old friend, a, a prison minister by the name of Johnny Moffitt. And Johnny Moffitt shared with me some statistics. And he said this, we were talking about this very issue. And he said, I heard a sheriff in Plainview, Texas say this. He said this with great boldness and authority. He said, I have never arrested anyone who had a positive, healthy father figure in their life. Now, I don't know if that could, is absolutely true, but what he was saying, the power of the father is amazingly important. And he goes on to, here's more. Hey, uh, teen pregnancy is much higher among fatherless daughters. Drug use is more prevalent in children with absentee fathers. Grades in school are by and large lower for children with absentee fathers. 71% of high school dropouts are fatherless. Catch this, 90% of all runaways are fatherless. And the list goes on and on and on. It reveals the the, the traumatized state of, of our children and, and even for us. Because if, hey, if we all got really uh, transparent today, all of us on some level have some uh, uh, potential trauma in and around our family concerning this very issue. But the good news is this. Everybody say good news. The global good news is God looked down from heaven and he realized that this would be the case in, in, in humanity and in the world we live in. And he said, I've got some good news. I'm going to bring unto you a child is born, unto you a son is given, and we're gonna call his name Everlasting Father. Whoo! I like that right there. Hey, let me just say, issue solved. Problem solved when we embrace him as everlasting father in our life. And oh, my friend, he has power and authority to fill whatever void, heal whatever hurt, fix whatever issue you may or may not have when it comes to your heart and how the potential of this global crisis and epidemic may have affected you or your family. I want you to turn with me to Psalm 68. If you haven't turned there, I love this passage of Scripture. It's up there on the screen, but I, I want you to see it. I want you to maybe mark it down in your Bible and just uh, uh, maybe even memorize this. I'll tell you what, this has made a big difference in my life. Psalm 68 addresses the reality of, of the Father in our life and what He has come to do. Look in verse 5 and 6. He says, He is a Father of the fatherless everyone say case closed problem solved say problem solved so whatever a culture whatever scenario whatever problem you've experienced hey he has the power and the authority as the everlasting father to touch and feel the void that that may be resident within your life he's a father of the fatherless a defender of widows Is God, pardon me, is God in his holy habitation? And I love this last, this second verse or verse six. God sets the solitary in families and he brings out those who are bound into prosperity. Somebody say amen. He's a father to the fatherless. And he is our everlasting heavenly father today. That's great news. In fact, Paul said this in Galatians chapter four, verse six. He said, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying out, Abba, Father. And you know from Romans eight, I'll I'll quote it in a moment, but I'll just jump ahead to it. It says, we've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. Everyone say everlasting father. And what I want today is for you to embrace him and his fatherhood in your life. I appreciate the fact that I had an earthly father and he was not an absentee father. He wasn't always the most godly guy, but in his latter years, he began to serve the Lord and made up for lost time in my life. I know that for sure. But I wanna share you, I wanna just give you a little information today quickly. Uh, Just kinda uh, build a case for our need and, and really just an understanding. There's five types of fatherly influences that I've identified in the world. And here they are. Number one is our biological father. You know, whether you've ever met him or not, you've had a bio- you've got a biological father. And, and, and I know, you know, in the world we live in, because I've read these statistics that, that a lot of people have, have issues with their biological father. And, and, and how many of you know just because you can procreate does not a father make? Come on now, Uh, the ability to procreate does not a father make but the biological fathers. In fact, I heard a story here a while back about a, a professional football player who, whose father was absentee in his life from the standpoint of involved in his life on any level. The father just thought my job is to provide for my family, but he was emotionally uh, in every way relationally disconnected from his son. And his son was always trying to vie for his father's attention. And so he became a really good athlete and his father never one time went to one of his practices Never attended one of his games in high school or college. Never. True story. And now he became a professional football player and, and he's gaining the attention of, 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 you know, the world. And finally, his father agreed to come to a game. A true story. And this son was so excited that his father had finally determined to come to one of his games, that he played his best game ever. He was a defensive linebacker. He got five sacks. He just, everything he did was off the charts. He was, he, he, it was just an amazing accomplishment that day. And, and even the commentators on TV were talking about, you know, and, 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 I think even one of them said, well, you know, his father's in the stands, he's probably wanting to do his best. And so, uh, he did his best and he, he gained the attention and just did a phenomenal, job. And after the game, he, he when he was finally reunited with his father and they were going to go out to eat or whatever, he was waiting for his father's affirmation that he had never gotten ever. And here's his father's first words. Why'd you let that little kid get around you a while ago? He slipped right by you. And those words sent this man into an emotional tailspin. He went to drugs and alcohol, lost his career. And it took a long time for the fatherhood of God to redeem him out of that tailspin. We have our biological fathers. And then the second one is stepfathers. Now, stepfathers, they have probably the hardest job, the most challenging fatherly role that probably of any, and uh, stepfathers, of course, because of divorce in in the world we live in, that's where stepfathers come in. Uh, And stepfathers have some of the most challenging responsibilities of all, especially if the children's biological father is active and actively involved in their life. It's just a very, uh, you know, it's a hard thing to deal with. And And a a challenging responsibility. And so if you're a stepfather today, uh, you deserve our special prayer because you have a unique responsibility to be a fatherly influence without undermining the biological father's influence in their life if he has any. And then there's the adoptive father. I love adoptive fathers. In fact, we were in Africa, and if you've, you've never met, uh, uh, Georgiana and, uh, Scott Noel, which Georgiana is David and Jennifer's oldest daughter, I believe, and they're now as their right hand, they're now there in, in Kenya as their right uh, hand uh, uh, family there. It's just a marvelous thing. And we got to spend three or four days with with them. And they've adopted two little blonde-headed girls, which I didn't even realize were adopted until about two-thirds of the way through the trip or halfway through the trip. They're the cutest things. And they adopted me like I was one of their pawpaws. It was exciting because I was there without my grandkids. And they just hung on me like, you know, glue. And we had a big time and it was fun. But one day we're driving in the van, you know, we drove you know through the bump. And I began to hear Scott tell the story of how they adopted these girls and I'm up in the front and I start getting tears in my eyes because a man I'm just it and I look back and Scott's got tears running down his eyes and I went OMG you better stop this story right now because it was just it gripped my heart he loves those little girls they love those little girls and they were adopted they were redeemed in a sense out of out of a fatherless scenario so hats off to the adoptive fathers and the adoptive parents and then there's another one, and this is one that I'm embracing more and more. It's spiritual fathers. And I've learned something over the years, uh, that uh, there are people in our lives that God brings our way that have a fatherly spiritual influence in our life. And In fact, 1 Corinthians 4.15 talks about the spiritual fathers. He talks about uh, natural fathers, but then he's, then he's talking about a real spiritual father. And he says, there are not many fathers. There are not many spiritual fathers. In fact, in my life, uh, I have no real spiritual father that that I could say was the father of my faith. I've got some friends. In fact, my friend Tim Warner in, in Wisconsin has has a father in the faith who, who led him to Christ and then fathered him and now, uh, is, is his mentor and father in, in his life. And now he's, you know, he's nearly as old as I am. He's pastoring a church, but he introduced him to me. This is, the, this is my spiritual father. And I, man, that's awesome. Well, just my, my scenario does not lend itself that way. Uh, and so I always kind of even joked about the fact that, you know, I'm fatherless. I've been kind of out on my own, and in reality, there's some spiritual gaps in my life because of that. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But there's spiritual fathers. And let me just say, uh, uh, for a long time, I was looking for my spiritual father, and then I realized, OMG, I am one. And many of us may need to realize that, that God has anointed us as... Men and even women who have spiritual influence in other people's lives. So they're spiritual fathers. And then the one that eclipses them all is our heavenly eternal father. His name shall be called everlasting father. And my friend understands something about our everlasting father. He's the role model for us all. And we can follow him. If you're a spiritual father today, if you're a adoptive father, a stepfather, or a biological father, if you'll follow in the footsteps of the heavenly father and you'll embrace his fatherhood, you'll be able to make your biggest difference as a father in this world. And we can begin to turn the tide on this epidemic of, of disengaged, uncaring, and, and absentee fathers in the world. And I'm telling you today, it's it's an amazing thing. It's a a tragic thing, but it amazes me that fathers are disengaging from their offspring. And so we need to embrace the fatherhood of God. And and out of all these fathers, he's the only one that carries the title of everlasting. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the everlasting father today. and, And let's embrace him as our everlasting father. He came to planet earth to love us. I'm telling you, this is a powerful thing. In fact, what does the Bible say? 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Behold, the, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. He came to love us. I'll never forget years ago. Uh, And Laura was a teenager and maybe, you know, about to graduate high school. We were at the house and she had one of her friends over. And and she sat down in my lap and we're all laughing and she's sitting in my lap and and I'm hugging on her. And later her friend said, you sat in your daddy's lap? And she said, "Uh, duh, I love him. (laughs) You know, (laughs) he's my father. But this girl, it was foreign to her to have a real affectionate love with a father. So God came to love us, and hey, get get out of your head the fact that He's not a, He He is a father. How many of you know He knows how to father, and He loves you. Amen. He wants to. Hey, He wants to embrace you today. He wants to spend time with you. He just hey, He wants to fellowship with you. Somebody say Amen. He came to love us. God so loved the world, He loves you. Turn around, and tell tell somebody. God the Father loves you. Everlasting, and he'll love you everlastingly. It'll never run dry, it'll never run out. His love for us, amen. He came to love us, and number two, he came to provide for us. How many of you know his father, and this is where a lot of fathers, they, they think this is it. This Okay, I'm here, I'm just the provider. Ho, 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 ho. That's all they do is I work and come home and, and make my old lady make me some groceries, and I go to bed to get up and start it all over again. How many of you know, that does not a father make. Just because you pay the bills does not make you an effective father. But look what it says about our heavenly father, Matthew 6, 25 through 32. I don't have time to read it all. But he says, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. In fact, Matthew, the, then verse uh, 33 says, Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. He's our provider. He came to love us. He came to provide for us. And number three, he came to empower us. He knew we needed uh, supernatural power. And Luke eleven thirteen says, How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He wants to give you everything you need. He wants to provide for you and empower you with the power of his spirit to live a victorious Christian life. Amen. And then he came to correct us. I mean, the Father has a good way of correcting us. In fact... Hebrews 12, verse 5, talks about the correction of the father, verse 5 through 11. Uh, And it says, which son does not a father chasten? You know, a father who loves his son is going to chasten and correct his children. And it it talks about our heavenly father bringing correction in our life. Man, I'm telling you, uh, one thing about my dad, he knew how to correct. And he had the belt. How many of you remember the belt? Oh, no, that's capital punishment. (laughs) It worked pretty good on me. I turned out all right. My kids turned out all right. Spare the belt, spoil the child. Is that how it goes? My dad, I'm telling you, man, I, I, my mother would say, what would she say? Just wait Tell your daddy gets home. <laughs> and I could just see it. It had a sound to it. It was big and wide. I've got one. And he was a pretty rotund fella, kind of like me. And he goes, oh, you. I mean, the bigger he got, oh, Jesus. I know what it means to be corrected by the father. I never forget one time. All my, i got two brothers older than me. He, he said, "Y'all come in here, boy. He's going to whip us all." And I didn't know what happened. He said, "He said one of you did this, and I'm never going to figure it out. So I'm going to whip all three of you." He said, "Man, I'm glad he was my daddy. Hey, we turned out all right. I tried that with my kids." It didn't work too well. My wife's in the back. Don't get them all. Don't hit them all. But why do we correct our kids? Because we love them. Why do you tell your kids to buckle up? Because you love them. And the father came to correct us because he wants us to be more like him. Amen. And then one more, and this is where we'll focus for a moment. The father came to heal us. With his fatherhood, there's nothing like the touch of a father and the care and the compassion and the healing balm of a father in our lives, both physically and spiritually. It brings such peace and such health and it'll heal us. Now, I believe God's going to heal. Let me just say, I'm not a prophet. I just know. In this room today, there are a lot of people who carry maybe hidden scars and hurts and pains because of some negative influence from a father figure in your life. Or maybe a lacking or a void in your life has just... just cause you to lack some things in your life now here am i i'm a father of three great kids i'm the grandfather of four great grandchildren uh not great grandchildren but great grandchildren you get it they're great i'm a pastor of a great church i'm married 35 years to a great woman and I began to realize this past year, more so than ever before, that I had some blank spots in my life. And it was the absence of a real defined spiritual father in my life. And up until that point, you know how comedians, they, they have real needs in their life, and so, so they'll, that's why a lot of them are funny, that's their way of dealing with the hurt and the pain in their life. I would kind of joke about this void in my life. And I've had people try to assign me a spiritual father. It's pretty funny, actually. I had a guy say, he's your spiritual father. And this guy said, no, I'm not. He said, oh yeah, he's your spiritual father. And, the, and this guy said, no, I'm not. I'm his brother. We are not, he is not, he, we're just brothers. And so, so over the years, that has been a point of, of kind of humor to me. And, and then this past couple months, I was in the presence of some real spiritual fathers and their sons and this void began to magnify my life i saw guys that were around great spiritual fathers in their life that for 30 40 years and 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 i was jealous with a godly jealousy and very open and talking to them about it and and uh i began to realize man there's I, there's some things missing in this old boy things I don't understand and then I began to realize that it was hindering me from being a spiritual father and being all that God wanted me to be. So I'm processing all this, and I'm trying to figure all this out, and I'm preaching in this missions conference, preaching nothing about this topic, and I give an altar call that has nothing about this topic, and as I'm walking down the steps of this church in Wisconsin, in Hayward, Wisconsin, the Holy Spirit gripped me, and the hand of the Father came upon me as a corrective mode, and I heard something in my spirit just like this. It was profound in me. I mean, in a moment... He said, I understand. You have voids in your life. I'm here. And I heard it this way to me. This is how he talks to me. Get over it. And be what I've called you to be. (sighs) By the time I hit the altar, I was weeping uncontrollably. Everybody else is being ministered to. I'm just going, I have been gloriously apprehended by the Father God. And he healed me with one touch, one word in a moment. And I came away from there a better man, hopefully a better father, hopefully a better spiritual father. And so today, as we come to the conclusion of this service, he may want to do that for you as well. In fact, he may even be using old Pastor Sam as a fatherly influence in your life to shine a little light on your heart and go, that's what I've been missing. And he's here to heal us. Let's stand up together. Father, we thank you today for your fatherly influence in our life. And today as we close this service today, I just would love it, Lord. Everlasting Father God. If you would help my friends as well.